Open your Bibles with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. Thankful to get a little bit of time this morning to preach God's Word. I want to take a few minutes this morning to step away from our series in 1 John and take a look at Peter's um, exhortation regarding church leaders. It's our hope that the driver of our quarterly celebrations in proclaiming the gospel is really happening in the testimonies you hear, as it has richly happened this morning so far. Testimonies of real life transformation of spiritual life in Christ by the grace of God. He is at work. Um, this affords me the opportunity at our ultimate celebrations to preach smaller sermonettes from God's Word that focus on topics that are good for us as a church to do business with in a quarterly way. How God wants His church to be led is a topic that He speaks to often in Holy Scripture and one that is of vital importance for the church. Look with me at our passage, 1 Peter 5, 1-5. through So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Peter's focus in this part of the letter turns to exile leaders. He has made it clear that the elect exiles, the people of God, are suffering in this time and world and until he comes again for Christ's namesake. Peter's made it clear that they have a living hope for the glory that will be revealed in God's perfect time. This is true for us as well, church. We experience great hardship in our exile time, and we look forward to glory, which is our living hope. Peter is saying God has appointed shepherds to lead you, the local church, in your exile ministry and witness until he ordains to take you home. Church, you are not exiles without a home. You're not exiles on your own. You are not without guidance. You are not without true community. If you feel alone, it's because you are not leaning into the community that you're a part of. You're an important part of it. Or you're not trusting your God-appointed leaders to lead you. Christians are to fellowship in community and to be led by exile leaders called elders. Peter says, I exhort the elders among you. Well, who are the elders among us? Well, if you don't have a lot of church background, you might question, what, who are these people? And I'll tell you quickly who they're not. Now, he's not talking about older people in general here. Like the phrase, respect your elders. Um, he's also not talking about Mormon boys who wear white shirts and black ties and call themselves elders. The term elder is Paul's preferred title to describe the biblical office of elder, overseer, pastor for the local church. These three terms, elder, overseer, pastor, are used in Scripture to describe the same role. 
spiritual leadership in local churches. We see two of them used in this passage. Look with me, 1 Peter 5.1. I exhort the elders among you. The word there in the Greek is presbyteroi. It's a Greek word used to describe elders, presbyters. The title has Jewish roots. It's describing a fatherly leader. He also uses the verb form, verb form of the word for pastor. In verse 2, Peter says, 1 Peter 5, 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. The word shepherd there means pastor, poimenos. Poimenos means shepherd, pastor, teacher. The word pastor is based on the Latin word that simply means shepherd. The noun is only found in Ephesians 4.11 when referring to the chosen few of the leadership of the church. The verb shepherding is used here in 1 Peter 5, Acts 20, 28-30 when speaking to elders. Look with me at that passage briefly. Acts 20, 28 says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. This leads us to the third title that we see in Holy Scripture in the New Testament for this office, which is that word overseer, episkopoi. It's the word bishop. The Greco-Roman roots for this word, it it basically uh, speaks to one who is a supervisor, a manager, a guardian. Acts 20.28, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So you must understand that an elder is the same as an overseer, is the same as a pastor-shepherd. These all describe the same office. Now do you notice that Peter says, I exhort the elders among you. Who is the among you here? It is the local church. Elders are not responsible to shepherd all Christians everywhere. When I stand before God one day, I will not be held accountable for the spiritual condition of all believers. I will be responsible for those God who who put under my care, under my leadership. Who is that? Those among me, this local church family, those in this church. It is our disciples' members who are in the trenches with me and following me and the other elders. Let us take note of an important truth that we also see in this passage. It comes a little later in verse 4. 1 Peter 5.4 When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Makes reference here to the chief shepherd. That is Jesus. The pastor of the church is ultimately Christ. The lead shepherd of disciples church is Jesus Christ, according to Scripture. The elders are are accountable and submissive to Christ. Colossians 1.18 clearly says that He, speaking of Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. Thank God for the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. Amen? So Peter opens chapter 5 of his letter. He's letting the elect exiles know that we have a chief shepherd and local shepherds who will lead us in this exile time that we're living in. This is good news, church, because we're not alone. We're not without guidance. We're not without help. God has provided this for our good. And so here, Peter is exhorting the elders to do their job, to do it well, because God intends His church to be cared for and led in this exile time. 
And so with that, we look to what he says in verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Peter says the pastoral elders are to exercise oversight. The authority to lead the church is not given to the church. It's not given to the members, the body. It's given to the elders of that local body. So what does that look like? What, what is the oversight we are to exercise? Well, there's a lot of ways we could break it down. Alexander Strzok is a, a modern-day author uh, who years ago wrote one of the best books on what biblical eldership is. It's become a pretty timeless work that has helped really a great awakening to the importance of the local church being ruled and rightly governed according to the Bible and not according to its traditions or ideas of man, best man-made reasoning. We are to lead the church God's way. One of the great things Strzok did in writing this, and he gave us four umbrellas to see what the elders are to do in exercising oversight in the church. So I want to give credit where credit is due. Those four are that we are to lead and feed and protect and to care for the flock. I want to take a minute this morning and look to Scripture as we see these unveiled. Back to Acts 20, 28 through 31, here we see the call for us to protect the flock in an important way. It says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God in which he bought, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Keep watch, he says. Be on guard, he says. The, there's a, a watchfulness that must happen. Elders are to be alert, to be awake to be eye-opened, to be active, to be watchful. This is Paul's way of saying that the church is always threatened. Satan never takes vacations. Sin lurks at every door waiting for a moment of doctrinal or moral carelessness to find a way in. The command, therefore, for the elders is to stay awake, be alert, know sound doctrine, and watch and protect the church. But watch what? Well, we see watchfulness here in two ways. Elders are to watch themselves and to keep watch over the church. Let's look at both of those briefly. Elders must first watch themselves. Keep watch over yourselves, Acts 20, 28. The first command to the elders is to watch themselves because elders must be and must remain qualified, according to Scripture, to lead the flock of God. We don't become qualified and get prayed in, and then we're forever remaining. We must remain qualified. So therefore, we must watch ourselves. One of the best ways to hurt the church is to disqualify or disrupt the life or ministry of an elder. Satan knows this, which is why we must be diligent to pray for and support our elders and why the elders must be watching over themselves diligently. That we would never justify being outside of Christ and that we would never, it would never become about us, but always about Him. Second, elders must keep watch over the church. Keep watch over yourselves and all of the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which He bought with His own blood. 
The key question here is, who are they watching for? To protect the church from who? Well, watchfulness for Satan's advances. Those opposed to God looking to hurt his family. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. When a lion hunts for its prey, all it has to do is get one claw into that animal, and then it pulls it in with its power. The, The shepherd's job is not to convince the sheep that the lion doesn't exist, to make them feel safe, but is to help them be alert to train the sheep rightly, so that even in the presence of the lion, the objective is to keep them from allowing the lion to get his claw into the sheep. Watchfulness is also for false teachers, to protect the church from false teachings or beliefs. Back to Acts 20, verse 30 and 31, again, he's speaking to the elders in Ephesus, where he says, even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on guard. When Paul sums the Ephesian elders together, his message is clear. Be on guard because there are wolves among you. The activity of a wolf is primarily presenting a false gospel or a false narrative or mistruths that are not in line with Holy Scripture. Practice. Practically, this means elders are responsible for having enough biblical knowledge to refute false doctrine or false testimony. Why is this good news that the elders are to protect the church? And it reminds us, church, that the church is worth protecting. Think about that with me. Paul stresses, we are to care for the church of God, which he obtained with, his, with the blood of his own son. That's how important they are. The point is plain. If God Almighty, free and high above all else, ordains the shedding of the blood of His Son for a sinful, messed up, unworthy people, then the shepherds must be willing to pour out blood, sweat, and tears in season and out of season for the blood-bought people that now belong to God. Suppose I'm a single dad with four sons, and you and your spouse and my family, we're deep sea fishing in the Gulf of Mexico. My youngest son gets um, too close to the edge, and when a wave tilts the boat, he loses his balance and falls into the water, disappears beneath the surface. What a panicked moment. And in, in, in a split second, I dive in after him. And after 10 seconds, breathless suspense, we burst out of the water. I've got him. And I hand him up the side of the boat. And just as I'm getting close to the boat myself to get out of the water, a shark cuts out of nowhere and takes half of me out. You pull me into the boat, and just before I bleed to death before your eyes, I look into your face and I say, take care of my boys for me. That's a pretty strong incentive to do that well, is it not? Jesus loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now elders are commissioned by the power of God to protect his precious bride in an exile land. Next, we're shown that the elders are to feed the flock. Protect the flock and feed the flock. In John 21, Jesus tells Peter, feed my sheep. Can you imagine the responsibility and the privilege for Peter to be called on to feed followers of Jesus, the baton to be handed off, the role of teaching to be given to qualified pastors, elders, 
Paul is clear in 1 Timothy 3, 2, elders must be able to teach. The overseer must be able to teach. In Titus 1, 9, Paul goes on to say an elder must be able to use the Bible to exhort others in sound doctrine. Must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. These are qualifications we don't get to play light with. Important roles. James says in James 3.1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. James says that those who teach carry a high responsibility due to the influence they exercise in teaching others. Therefore, those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. If a person takes up the responsibility of teaching then they are taking on themselves the scrutiny that comes with wielding influence over others and their words. This is similar to Jesus' warning in Luke 12, 48. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Many often perceive that those who teach as having a cool or prestigious role It is seen as a lofty calling and practice. But what this doesn't cause many to do is to see that many should not be teachers who maybe long to be. There's a right fear and trembling that should come with teaching, especially teaching God's Word. The responsibility to wield correctly God-honoring influence on others is not a light one in any way. There's a discipline of life and study and humility that must come out of those who teach. If if there's not, then arrogance and ego and pride not only lead to the demise of the teacher, but the hearers as well. And so it's so easy to sin with our mouths, is it not? Not only in cursing or words that cut, but simply in just speaking mistruths, thereby leading others astray. This is why God's word is so strong to say that not many of you should become teachers of God's word. It's a high call with far-reaching impact and heavy responsibility. This is why the judgment of those who labor to teach will be greater. Those who are given such a responsibility, much is required. Third, elders are called to lead the flock, to protect to feed, and now to lead. This kind of leadership is what Jesus modeled and commissions elders to do. It's sacrificial leadership. And it's vital that we lead His church His way. Elders lead by setting vision and direction, providing direction and vision for the church, clarifying it, our core beliefs, our mission, keeping us on track. Proverbs 29.18 says, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Second, elders lead by governing and managing. Biblical elders are responsible for providing the leadership with sound decision-making and oversight, not just with human reasoning, but with biblical discernment. We have to set goals, make decisions, correct failures, and affect change in a biblical, gospel-centered way. Titus 1.7, the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, a steward. Stewardship is our privileged opportunity to be faithful managers of God's provisions for God's glory. A good shepherd leader leads the organization with oversight, with the oversight of a CEO, while also leading with the tender care of a loving father. 
This combination is critical. We lead with balance, always remembering the church is not ours, it's His. It belongs to God. So we lead it God's way, according to God's Word, and not what seems right to us. Elders are to lead by equipping and disciple-making. One of the primary modes of operation Jesus gave the church is to grow and multiply through discipleship. Discipleship is based on doing life together so that we can be trained up. We see the example of our leaders and we're trained by them then to multiply. 1 Peter 5, 2-3 Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, being examples to the flock. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Elders have to be in the lives of other leaders who will then turn to duplicate that example and pour into others. This is how the church is meant to grow deep into Christ. Not just with attendance, but life-on-life discipleship and mentoring. A plurality of elders discipling other leaders who are discipling the flock who will one day disciple others. And on and on. This is the work of the church. This is the only way a member of a body as large as ours is really cared for. And it's a good design of God. And it leads us to the fourth area that biblical elders must do. And that's to care for the flock. We're to provide direct care. Biblical uh, elders are responsible for providing pastoral care to the church by meeting the practical and diverse needs of the flock. One of the regular ways elders do this is through the area of counseling. Hebrews 12, 12 through 13. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Encourage, parakaleo, in the Greek there, that word is the word that we use for counseling. We seek counsel from mature believers around us, especially our elders. Elders are to equip the saints to provide care. For Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, it was he who gave some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built. Built up. Maturing, duplicating. Practically, this involves each member who's under the elder's leadership to be equipped. Equipped to do the work of the ministry so that then the large plurality of the church is cared for. It's just simply impossible for the few of your elders to be in every home, to be at every hospital visit, to make every call, to follow up on in every moment. But as we equip others to do that work, we, the, the body of Christ is at work. The extension of the, of the staff and, and deacons one day and group leaders and, and mature believers among us to, to, to carry that together is so critical. What do biblical elders do? We feed, protect, lead, and care for the body of Christ. This is God's good design and how he wants the redeemed to be fed, to be led, to be protected, and to be cared for. How are elders to lead? It says in verse 2, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. This is Peter's way of pointing out that God has prepared a man, matured him, qualified him, and placed him in the position of shepherding a flock. And so that man doesn't do the job because he has to, because he's, he's forced to. No, 
He does it because God's prepared him and called him and even given him a willingness to do it as one of those qualifications. The hours that are given up, the extra load and tension and pressure that comes with all of the work. We don't do it out of obligation. We don't force someone just because they have many of the qualifications to say you have to serve in this way. The goal of our church, hopefully, is to have many mature men who are qualified to be elders, but by God's sovereign decree are just not um, given that willingness, that readiness of life circumstance, and or just we don't have the need to have 40 elders. Nobody likes to be loved out of obligation. We don't want our leaders to lead this way either. If I tell my kids, I'm your father because I have to be, Or if I told my wife that I'm her husband because I have to be. Or to you, the church, I'm your pastor because I have to be. It's hurtful. Instead, it is a joy to love you and lead my wife and my kids and this flock. There's a, a joyful willingness to do the work. Peter continues in verse 3, Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Elders are to lead the flock for the good of the flock and the glory of Christ, to execute Christ-like leadership, full of truth and love, not giving in to people-pleasing, but doing what honors God, not allowing things to become personal, but loving others sacrificially. We lead in love like the one who laid down his life for the sheep. Again, Paul said, follow my example as I follow Christ." Example. Finally, let's close by looking at what the church's role is, your role in all of this. First Peter 5 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. First of all, the reference to younger here is not first and foremost about age. It says be subject to the elders, not just those who are older than you. While that's good and true, we should respect our elders. Paul's reference here to youthfulness is less about age and more about spiritual maturity. He's referring to the church, the sheep, those who are not as mature in their faith, who need to be submissive to the shepherds, the leaders, those charged by God to lead them. Many churches for many years have adopted what is known as congregational rule. Even our church for a long stretch gave a lot of decision-making power to the congregation, to the sheep. The problem with this is God's word. God's design is that the sheep are led by shepherds. The mature, biblically studied plurality of qualified shepherds are to make the decisions for the sheep. It is important that we understand that God has called the pastors and elders to lead well. But Peter's point here is that the church members, the flock, the sheep, are also commanded to follow and submit well. It's a critical point to making the church function God's way. And so it is driven home many times in Scripture. Let me give you a few to remind you, church. Hebrews 13, 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who will have to give an account... Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that will be of no advantage to you. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 We beseech you, brethren, to respect those who labor among you, 
and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. I'll be honest. There are too many times when the sheep decide that they're going to lead themselves. Church, this is unbiblical. One of the things that makes my heart so sad is when people in the church make big decisions for their lives and don't include the counsel and the leadership of their shepherds. This is a gift you've been given. Not that, they, not that you have to do this, but you choose to throw away such a sweet gift to not lean on to the blessing of mature wisdom among you. The protection that comes with it. The help. Or worse than when sheep throw off God's design to trust and submit to their elders and demand their own way, to simply decide to go their own way. Later this morning in our mid-year membership meeting, we're going to share with you about a few of our beloved members who have decided to do this. It is sad, but very real. God has saved us into the body to do life together, to be true community That means we don't go at it alone, church. It means even when it's hard, we fight our sin. And we run the race together, arm in arm. We sit down, we hear each other. We trust God's word. And you trust those that God has put over you in the Lord. You do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. In the end, I'm thankful for God's design. I'm thankful for the shepherds. Um, that I was under for many years of my faith journey before I became a shepherd of the local church. I'm thankful for the fellow shepherds that I get to serve with in leading this church for many years now.